everybody, and welcome to the next episode here in the Oscar series that we are doing on the Outlaw Nation channel. Every day we are covering one nominee for Best Picture here on the channel. I'm very happy to be joined by my Cinephiles co-host and my brother in life, Steve Morris. How are you, Steve? I'm good. I'm thinking about taking a long, slow drive in a sort of a silent, contemplative way. Yeah. Uh, that's just really appealing to me at the moment. How are you doing? I think I would take that drive as well if I was dealing with something and needed to come to terms with the loss and really open myself up. I think a drive in the Japanese countryside would absolutely do the trick, as well as trying to mount an Uncle Vanya play. Yes. <laughs> in, in tandem, that would help me break through some walls here and get to some inner uh, or accepting of my inner life and my inner trauma and moving on. Wouldn't you say so, Steve? I think so. I think, in fact, I think there's going to be a lot more Chekhov and mid-80s sobs <laughs> becoming very, very popular, really, in the near future. Yeah, I think that's true. That's true. Well, yeah, the, if you haven't guessed by now, the <laughs> film we're talking about today is Drive My Car. This brand new film, oh, well, not really brand new, but came out last year by Ryusuke Hamaguchi. It's one that both Steve and I have come to from different places. I, I saw it a few months ago, uh, rewatched it again over the last few wow. days. Steve uh, watched it uh, um, uh, recently. So we're going to talk about it, break it down, give our overall thoughts on it, and then discuss it's Oscars chances as we look at the Oscars ceremony happening this Sunday. So, Steve, I go to you first as I go to you first on each one of these episodes. What's your overall thoughts and feelings of this film, Drive My Car, a Japanese uh, drama road film here uh, that we kind of alluded to uh, with the main character that's getting over the loss of a huge tragedy in his life and trying to mount a play at the same time and come to terms with his trauma? This one's really, really hard for me. It's going to be hard for me to figure out exactly how to say what I want to say, which is, I think, the if you look at the elements of this film, it is A, absolutely brilliant. It's B, the kind of artistic, um, poetic uh, film that we really don't see. Mm -hmm. And it is, and the editor in me just wants to cut the fucking thing down. <laughs> like, you know, my bias, like we've talked about it before, like the basic yes. rule that I was taught as an editor was, if you can cut it, you should cut it. Right. Shorter is always better. And of course that doesn't apply. And it totally applies to most films. Mm -hmm. It doesn't apply to all films. Right. Uh, certainly if I'm teaching in my class and a student brought in a shot, where it's 45 seconds of a character driving, even if it was a beautiful shot, I'd be like, dude, you got to cut this. You got to cut this down. <laughs> and so, and so I think it is the, the acting, the performances are amazing. The story is fascinating and complex. The cinematography is incredible. It does have emotional power to it. Yeah. And it's just really, really, really slow. So it's like, if you could put yourself, I think, into that mind frame yeah. of like, I'm going to sit back, you know, like we talked about it, like when we 2001 A Space Odyssey, it's like, no, sit back right, right. and just like let this wash over you. I think it's an amazing film. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I have to say this as a Terrence Malick man, uh, this one kind of uh, fits into. Yeah, totally. Uh, you know, it fits into the realm of what I enjoy mm -hmm. with these films. And the thing is, a three hour film that goes on its journey and takes its time going through the journey. It can be annoying if you don't have the right actors, if you don't have an interesting story, if you don't have a damn good script. I absolutely believe. Now, with Terrence Malick, I spend two and a half hours just trying to figure out what he's trying to get at. With this, <laughs> it was pretty it was pretty straightforward. Not simple, I would say. Straightforward. 
We deal. We meet uh, Yusuke Kafuku, who is played by Hitatoshi Nijima. He is a, uh, a an actor. He's a, a director in theater, and he's uh, he's uh, with his wife uh, Reika Kirishima, who plays Otto. Uh, she writes screenplays, and we start to discover from the first few minutes of the film that they have a very strong sexual relationship, but also an artistic relationship, an artistic connection. They're helping each other. She screenwrites some of these things for TV while he goes off and acts. Um, and then something tragic happens and he has to kind of figure out what to do with that years later, coming back in touch with a young actor who was acting in one of Otto's uh, uh, teleplays at the time when uh, when she when what happened to her happened to her, he gets assigned a, a driver here who is played by Toko Miura, uh, who plays Misaki Watari, and they begin a connection. And it's not overt. It's not like oh, well, are they going to end up? It's not about that at all. It's about him navigating his trauma here as he's gone to Hiroshima of all places to put on a multilingual production of Uncle Vanya and Steve. This is where the, the, I mean, the film takes its time in laying the groundwork. We don't even see the opening credits till 45 minutes. I know. Movie. <laughs> For me personally, I thought it was gutsy and ballsy and yeah. I loved it. But the performances here are what I come back to. It's why I enjoyed it again a second time, really kind of savoring the acting and the performances. And maybe because I've done so many plays, I understand the beats that are happening right. here in, in, in the film. So it connects with me a little bit more than I've seen some other people who don't quite feel it uh, as powerfully uh, as I did. And you said, Steve, the cinematography, Hitotoshi Shinomiwa. He does the cinematography, and it's beautiful, especially yeah. when they go on the long drives to go uh, later on in the film to a certain somebody's hometown. Yeah, it's 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 so hard. It's funny. I'm going to say something. I, again, I'm going to try to say it the right way, yeah. which is not only is the pace slow in terms of how long each shot is, in terms of the overall length of the film, yeah. but the pace is actually slow in terms of when you reveal what you reveal. Yes. In other words, in other words, even if it was a two-hour movie, the yeah. structure of it, it takes its time to get to understanding what's going on. And so the 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 beginning, the opening is so uh poetic and odd, and you go and you're continually going like well, wait, what is, what is this relationship and who are these people and why? Oh, I, oh, oh, I get it. He's an actor. Oh, I, oh, she's a writer. Oh, this is, you know, and you kind of get fit together these pieces in a, in a very slow way. Mm -hmm. and, and what's interesting to me as well is that it, it doesn't spoon feed you anything. No, and no. so one of the things I wonder about is like, now I am the farthest thing from a Chekhov expert, you know. <laughs> I mean, like I, but I have seen Chekhov. I've seen yeah. Uncle Vanya. I've read some Chekhov. Sure, sure. My guess is that most people haven't. Right. And so, like, that's one thing where I go, like, well, what are people gonna think about this rehearsal of Uncle Vanya? Yeah. You know, it's not clear right. what is going on in the, you know, in the story. And so, but but the other thing too, man, and, and this is where I'm, I kind of with you. I could see watching it again. Yeah. Because the performances are so interesting. Yeah. It's a really incredible cast. I mean, this is the this is the trilogy or the trio of people that you're working with for a majority of the movie as uh as Yusuke goes in to direct Uncle Vanya. He casts this young actor, the actor that I mentioned here, who's got a part. Uh, I think it's Park Yu Rim who plays it. Is that right? I think Park No, it's uh uh Masa Masaki Okada. I okay, sorry, Masaki yeah. Okada is Koji. Sorry about that. Masaka Okada is Koji. He is the young actor. 
Um, and Yusuke kind of um, in a way of getting back at him because he suspected that he might have been having some uh, carnal relations with his wife. He casts him as Uncle Vanya to kind of mess with him a little bit, to challenge him, but also for himself to maybe kind of explore something here through another point of view. And for me, I love that the film kind of challenged me to figure out what these characters are doing. And I've, and I've been a big fan of Japanese cinema. I know, uh, Steve, you've yeah. enjoyed a lot of Asian cinema yourself. And, you know, the Japanese culture can be quite repressed, can be quite, I mean, you know, you talk about Kurosawa, I mean, you talk about Seven Samurai, that's three hours. And yes, there's a lot of action, but there's also these kind of character beats that are happening with these characters step by step as you watch the movie. And I think here you're seeing that as well, step by step, piece by piece, as you said, slowly unwrap, slowly unveiling the things that are happening within them and then seeing how that um, collides with the other people in their lives as this uh, film goes along. And I, I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed how much we got, how much time we got with these characters and the beauty of loss and the beauty of grief and the beauty of trying to find your way out. And essentially the film is in three parts or the opening here up until the tragic moment happens, everything with uncle Vanya. And then of course something tragic happens there as well. And then boom, we go off with the two of them to go visit one place and come to terms with something that's going on there as well. It's it's funny. Two things. One thing is you say that he casts this young guy as uncle Vanya as you know, to kind of mess with him or get out. And it's like, that is a completely reasonable interpretation. Yeah. I don't know why he casts him as uncle. You know what I mean? Like, like the the relationships are so odd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And his feelings about his wife. Well, and this is the thing too. It's funny you mentioned that the credits are at forty minutes. Well, yeah. forty minutes is structurally kind of the inciting incident of the story. It's right. like it takes that long to get to what the movie is about. Yeah, you know, and so it makes sense in a way that the credits are there because that's when we and 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 there's also sort of this because they don't say a lot. Yeah. Is that you see the beginning of this this relation, not the beginning of this relationship. You see this relationship and you go, oh, that's a weird relationship. Then you see this disturbing thing happen. Yeah. And you see them never communicate about it. Yeah. And, you know, and then much, much, much later, do we hear a little bit of his feelings towards right. his wife who has died? Right. Well, and, and well, and actually, I just did what I was trying to avoid, which is because one of the mistakes that I made mm-hmm. was I looked at just the tiniest thing about the film yeah. and it gave away what happens 40 minutes into the movie <laughs> and so the whole first 40 minutes of the movie i was waiting yeah. for that thing to happen and i think that really affected how i was perceiving what was because i was like oh is it gonna happen now oh is it gonna happen now oh how is it you know what i mean and so i think that kind of messed things up i also think yeah. like there is such a it one of the things about this film is people are really weird and mm. we're weird in terms sexually. In, we're weird. We're weird in terms of our emotions about other people. Mm. Like we, this movie doesn't go. Here's how people make sense. This is what right. this is about. This movie goes. Here's a bunch of stuff. And in fact, there's one thing that again I won't spoil. But at the end, where you one or I 100 percent expected someone to say the "give you a hug, you're okay" thing, and that is the opposite of what gets said. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. You know, and that was a like really shocking powerful true mm-hmm. real moment for me yeah. you know yeah yeah 
Yeah, I really loved how they got there. It took three hours to get there, but they got there. Uh, and when that moment happens, it's a very cathartic moment for sure to watch. Uh, and you've been waiting for that moment as well, just like you were waiting the first 40 minutes to see yeah. what happened. You're also waiting for that kind of explosion at some point to happen or or what, what I guess what passes for an explosion in the way this guy is emotionally constructed. Also, there's a lot of symbolism here, Steve, that red car. I mean, the red car stands out. Uh, from other cars in terms of a, sure. a bright red. So certainly there is they are there's a desire to be seen, a desire to be kind of noticed, but also the red can be a bit like don't go near me, don't you know, keep your distance. You know, it can be that as well. So clearly a lot of that emergency, it could be danger. There's a lot of that running through here. And certainly that car symbolizes that, but also the oldness of the car symbolizing how set in his ways he is, how he does, how he needs to be in control. When he has to surrender being driven around because uh, of a past incident with another uh, director they had brought into this festival, um, mm-hmm. he's really reluctant to do so. And it's because he wants control and he wants to be able to listen to her voice as he does the Uncle Vanya lines, lines driving back to his uh, where he's staying back and forth through this whole process. So we're seeing the car symbolize something really powerful. And then by the end, what does the car symbolize then? I don't know. I don't want to get into a spoiler discussion, but certainly I had a, a, some interesting thoughts by the time we got to the last moment with the car. I have no idea what that end is. <laughs> um and well, here's what's funny. And again, because I just I did the like the most minuscule amount of research. Right, right. But right. Uh, initially, it's based on a short story that's set in Korea. Yes. And um, they were going to shoot it in Korea, but then the pandemic happened, and so yeah. they instead switched it to Hiroshima. And this is just the weird thing I wanted to bring up, and I had to look to check is yeah. that the um, originally it was supposed to be a yellow sob, and then they decided when they went to Hiroshima oh. that it was or Hiroshima that it would look better as a red car. Right. And I just suddenly went yellow car switching to a red car. What's that familiar? And I had to look it up. Is that in The Shining, in room 237, one of the <laughs> right. key points is that they switched from a red car to a yellow car. And that, I don't remember what it proves, whether yeah. it was the Apollo moon landing or something to do with Nazis or NATO. I don't remember, but that was an important thing in room 237. So I just had to look it up. Um, yeah. But by the way, the fact that he sits in the back seat of that sob a whole yeah. bunch while she's driving, sobs are not comfortable in the back seat. No, they're not. That no. is a very cramped back seat for him to sit in. Yeah. Um, it's not an important point about the film. Um, I also thought it's just it surprised me. We have two movies where you have deaf characters acting in sign language because yes. you have that in the the play, which is a, such a bizarre concept. It's not just they're doing Uncle Vanya; they're doing Uncle Vanya with everybody speaking different languages. Yeah. So people are speaking Korean, they're speaking Japanese, you have a deaf actor, and both, because we literally talked about Coda yesterday, yeah. At the there's a thing with the deaf actor at the end that was really powerful, yeah. you know, to see. And I just thought that was interesting, considering what else is nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, exactly, yeah. that scene, agreed. yeah. Agreed, agreed, very much so. Yeah, I mean, seeing more of deaf actors, I mean, we saw it in Eternals as well, so we're seeing more and more of that coming to the forefront, that's a great thing. It is really yeah. a great thing, and I think the multinational or multilingual language uh, interpretation i think is brilliant it made me as a as as a way way in the back of my past theater director look at the possibility of doing that someday a multi-language interpretation of a play in that way i loved it because i mean in essence uncle vanya is what about wasting life chances or throwing away mm-hmm. life chances and the regret that that comes with that and certainly that ties into the movie uh a couple of ways when we get the when we get the reveal from the driver when we get the reveal 
uh, for Misuke about certain things that have that happened uh, and how that connects to the idea of throwing a life chances and then also forgiving yourself. I think that's a big part of this yeah. as well is understanding that that happens, understanding that a lot of people do that and understanding that forgiving yourself is the way out of that hole, is the way out of that darkness, you know? Although, again, it's a very interesting kind of forgiving yourself yes. based on the way it's framed at the end of the film. Um, the other thing that's interesting is that the, the the main guy who's the actor and the director, not the actor, not the director of the film, okay. but one of the things he does is he listens on cassette to a voice saying the other parts of Uncle Vanya, which is yeah. his wife. Yeah. And so you're continually through the movie just listening to dialogue from Uncle Vanya yeah. while these people drive around, which again, very slow, yeah. but also it forces you to go, well, what do these lines mean? Right. What are these lines saying that's significant about what's happening? And it reminds me, I know I brought up this book, Understanding Comics, before, mm -hmm. um, because it's just, to me, still one of the great books on arts and visual arts. Yeah. And one of the things that he talks about, which I, it's going to sound like a bizarre connection, but is that that you could do a drawing that's very, very photorealistic with lots of line and detail, or you could do a really simple drawing that's very cartoony. Yeah. And what, what Scott McCloud, the writer of the book, says is that the simple drawing makes us put ourselves in that character mm -hmm. because they're not so specific, which is why Mickey Mouse and all the animated characters are so simple because yeah. we can become them. But here's the reason I bring this up. You spend a lot of time looking at these faces yeah. who are listening or who are looking mm -hmm. and they are not, they're just observing. Like the driver is just observing. Yes. And I think what that does is it helps. We put ourselves in them mm -hmm. and go, well, what are you thinking? What yeah. are you feeling? What is happening here? And so it, even though there's very little going on on the screen in a lot of ways, it's pulling you in, in this really, again, if you have the patience for it. I mean, yeah. that's really the thing about the film, you know? Well, and let me ask you about that, because, I mean, the direction of the film, you know, I ask you as a, as a director yourself, I ask you about every director when, we, when we've when we been doing this series here, Ryosuke Hamaguchi, I think he's only done two or three other theatrical films. Um, and uh, what did you think about him doing, the, what did you think about the direction in this film? Aside from the editing, what did you think about the overall direction, though, of the movie? Well, again, it looks gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, the performances of the actors are all incredible. The way that it's all the, the way that we're set up in very few shots, I would mm -hmm. say, mm -hmm. it's like he's just like you're going to like, for instance, there's a really intense conversation that happens in the car. Yeah. And what and he scene. It's yeah. an amazing scene. And he just lets that camera sit there, puts yeah. put the camera in the right spot and not messing with it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that because what's interesting to me, I think it shows a incredible confidence as a director mm -hmm. to make a movie that is this abstract that's this slow that requires so much of the audience that deals with Chekhov of all things yeah. i mean i think it's a really <laughs> really brave and confident way to make a movie that's yeah i have point. to agree with you and i love that scene too because i mean this yeah. is a guy that we don't necessarily like koji i mean we hear that he's had problems in the past and later on we hear that he had some interaction with a minor uh, that was that is what got him into a little bit of trouble here and kind of uh, shot down his ascending career. Um, and we get that scene with him in the car and the monologue he delivers and the emotion that it stirs within him as yeah. he's telling this story. Um, it it makes us take a step back and be like, okay, wow, it really pierces through our perception of this guy yeah. to see 
the damage within this uh, this young man and and the the I don't know the pain that he's carrying with him. So in a way, it's also saying to us like, hey, you know, be careful about how you judge people. You never know what they're navigating through or why they're doing the things that they're doing. It doesn't excuse it. It's just saying there's more to people than you think. And if you want to reduce them to a one uh, one line description, um, you're doing them a disservice. You're not really getting to know them. And in a way, why are you judging them so harshly when you haven't looked at yourself as deeply as well, which is part of that model, which I think is really great. So there's so much to take away from the movie that I really relished even more the second time around. I don't I don't imagine I'll go back and see it anytime soon, but it's one of these films that got the hook in me because it took its time and because I found the actors interesting, because I enjoyed the dialogue. And by the way, it won uh, at Cannes. It won Best uh, Screenplay at Cannes or Con, however you want to say it. Um, it was nominated for the Palm for the Palm Dior. It did not win the Palm Dior. It won Best Picture for the Boston Society of Film Critics. It was nominated for the Chicago uh, Film Critics. It was it won Best Film at the Los Angeles Film Critics Association, uh, and it won Best Film for the National Society of Film Critics um, as well. So, Steve, we look at this in terms of the Academy Awards. It's nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Adapted Screenplay, Best International Feature Film. Where do you think it has its best chance of of taking home a, a gold statuette at the end of the night? Well, first of all, if the requirements of this uh, show we're doing is that I have to remember to call Can Con and Brana Brana, this is gonna be it's gonna be a tough show. <laughs> the second thing is um, tough, uh, show, tough show. Yeah. <laughs> one thing I did want to say is that yes. What's interesting in that scene, and again, I'm not gonna—I don't want to spoil anything—is that I'm curious because you watch it a second time. Mm-hmm. Is you realize that the later on in the film that there was a crazy event that happened before that scene, yeah. right before that scene, yeah. and so what the meaning of the scene is takes on an entirely different thing. That's a great point. And in fact, we we there is there are things you will we will never know yes. about what actually happened in this film, and just as in life you're never going to know and these characters are never going to know it's saying this is because a lot of it and again it goes back to uncle vanya is there's going to be some horrible shit and you're going to move on yeah and you're not it's not going to get wrapped in a bow you might never feel fully healed from whatever this thing is you might never know the answers and life is about moving on and that is what it is and so so in terms of its chances yeah um i don't think uh, the only oscar i think it really could win is the best international film okay you know um i mean i've heard talk about because it's up for adapted screenplay yeah right yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, i've heard talk about that but to me both coda and dune seem more likely in that case yeah and i don't think it i don't think it has a chance at best picture um yeah what what do you think yeah i think best international feature film is it's most likely Oscar, if it's going to win one. That being said, though, you never know with this best adapted screenplay. We yeah. saw Parasite take it, uh, beating out some pretty uh, big heavyweights that year as well. So I don't know. I mean, maybe they're trying to open the door a little bit more to the Asian market. Maybe they're trying to kind of like connect with that a little bit more. So I wouldn't be surprised if some people really enjoyed the conversations, really enjoyed the uh, the snippets of Uncle Vanya that they're using here throughout the movie um, to uh, kind of take you on this journey. So I would not be surprised if some Academy voters really felt a kinship with that language and uh, helped it win. Cause I see a lot of backlash of the coda saying it's a lifetime movie and with Dune saying, Oh, it's kind of overdone. 
So there could be reasons. And do you know the Academy loves these kind of little smaller uh, treatises on the human condition? And certainly that's an, a huge part of this movie. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if somehow it snuck in there and took it. But I do agree with you. I think best international feature film is where it has its best shot. You, um, you, yeah. Sorry. You know what always, I always wonder about? Yeah. I always wonder... Uh, particularly in a category like adapted screenplay, yeah. how many people who are voting are familiar with where it came from? You know what I mean? Because the question of adaptation isn't, it's it's like why it's so hard to pick best editing because you don't know what they were working with. Right. The question of adaptation is, well, where did you start? And then I can see what you did. And yeah. by the way, the screenplay that is not nominated for adapted screenplay is in fact what I think should win, which is West Side Story. Yeah. Because the degree of difficulty, what Tony Kirshner did to take a classic thing that we all love and fill it out in this way that honors the original without, but, but adding things to it, man, yeah. that talk about adapting an, an earlier material. That yeah. is kind of amazing. And going back to the original version before it was turned into a musical to mm -hmm. kind of take elements of that as well. Yep. That was really incredibly done by Tony Kushner for sure, but we'll get to West side. Story we'll get to it yeah. later on in the week. Uh, all right. Any final words here on drive my car, Steve, as we wrap up? No, I, I, I actually would be very curious to hear other people's thoughts just, yeah. to, you know, and how they feel going through that movie. Also, one other thing I should reveal, it was four nights for me to watch this thing, you know, like I didn't have three straight hours to sit down and, yeah. and watch it. It took it took me four sittings. I was comfortably in a theater with three other people. So, <laughs> so I was very much enjoying my popcorn and it was a Saturday afternoon. And I was having a nice languid three hours watching yeah. this movie. So that's the way to do it. So you're not tempted to, to take your time. Just kind of enjoy it. But when I watched the second time, it took me three days to see it. Just yeah. a day just to kind of cut it off and, and have other things to do as well. All right. Well, as Steve said, let us know what you thought of Drive My Car down in the comments section below. Let, let, let us know what you thought of our thoughts on it, our review of it, our, our, our appreciation of it, and what worked for you, what didn't work for you in the film. If you've braved the three hours of watching this incredible movie uh, here called, that is nominated for Best Picture. Uh, Steve, where can people find you, my man? Thanks again for doing this, brother. Oh, it's my pleasure. SR Morris on Twitter, SR Morris one on Instagram, Enterprise Incidents for Star Trek stuff. And of course, the Cinephiles with the great John Roca is coming out every single week. That's right. We're doing, we're in the middle of our season of Lee and we're, yeah. what's, what's coming out this week, Steve? Uh, episode, we are, episode part three of uh, Do the yeah. Right Thing. Yeah. Hopefully we finish it. I'm <laughs> determined that we finish it in three parts. So that'll come out. And then we, and then I think we have a live show. And then after yes. the live show, we're going to roll into Malcolm X. Malcolm X, exactly. Another three-hour opus, uh, yeah. for sure. Another three-hour film, for sure. As for me, you can follow me at The Roca Says on Twitter, Instagram, and at TikTok, The Outlaw Nation on Twitch. And please subscribe to the channel down below. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that bell button so you see when we're dropping all the content. And share this video uh, wherever you can. We appreciate you giving some love to The Outlaw Nation. And uh, as I said, leave a comment and do all those things there. All right, y'all take care of yourselves. Be well. We'll be back tomorrow with another episode in this Oscar series as we profile another film nominated for best picture. Y'all take care of yourselves until then. Peace.